You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Grant and Danny welcoming you back on 106.7 The Fan. Road ahead today. Fastest 16 minutes in football. And where's Lamar Jackson going to end up this hour? We got Jay Gruden on the show at 5. And how would you feel about a Pat Shermer hiring as your offensive coordinator? We'll dive into that at 525 plus. Next hour, an update on a potential sale. What's going on with Dan Snyder's potential? Likely? What word should we use? Sale of the commanders this offseason. All that coming up today right here on G&D. It is time for your Beltway Blitz. Let's get it started. Caps next. Commanders after that. We start with the National Football League and our friend Nate Davis. Check him out. USA Today Sports. Nate, why don't we begin with the last of the games that got played, six of them this weekend in Super Wild Card Weekend. Tampa Bay was terrible and Dallas was great. Dak Prescott's Mona Lisa, man. He was awesome in a 17-point win. What'd you make of last night? Yeah, I mean, he 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 truly, truly was. A lot of people kind of, you know, saying the best game of his career. You know, hard hard to argue. I think only the fifth quarterback in playoff history with, with four passing touchdowns uh, and, and a rushing touchdown. And, you know, just played so much better, you know, and so, so much cleaner than he has in recent weeks. Um, but, but yeah, you, you, you gotta like what, what Dak did and, and, and defensively too. I mean, I really think that, you know, the, uh, the game turned on that, that, uh, end zone interception that, that Brady threw. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes from here. You know, Dallas is, is going to San Francisco on a short week. You know, the 49ers had the two extra days of rest. Um, and you got the kicker issue. So, uh, should, should be fun to watch Sunday. Nate, I, I watched it like everybody else did, but Jacksonville was two of 10 on third down. Turned it over five times and forced none, and won. H- how? Like I, I, you know what I mean? Like I know I watched it. I saw the events like everybody else. How the hell did that happen? Yeah, I think the Chargers kind of got away from from what they were doing, and you know, obviously they they, they gave up some some big shots uh, there down the stretch, and then and then of course as as, as they you know they couldn't stop the bleeding, you know they're they're losing their their composure. Uh, you know, the, the first Joey boasts the, the penalty. I think was was really almost uh, you know the backbreaker for them even though, even though they didn't you know I don't think they gave up the lead on that one but you know when he when they negated that huge sack that Lawrence took you know deep in Chargers territory you know and, and kind of you know would, would have saved them uh, you know it just kind of goes back to you know, the history of the Chargers and it always seems like they they find a way to snatch uh, what defeat from the jaws of victory uh, it was another one of those, those instances um, you know a little a little looks like Brandon Staley's going to going to survive it but. Uh, I, I don't know. I just I just kind of had a sense when it got to twenty seven to fourteen um, that, that Jacksonville was, was going to manage to pull that one out. How do you explain with the statistical dominance of the Bills over the Dolphins, Miami only losing by three, having the ball a couple times in the fourth quarter with the chance to tie or win? 
Well, I mean, I think it's turnovers. Uh, yeah, I can't remember if they scored off the uh, the Xavier Howard pick, but I mean, he brought that back like 50 yards. I think they got a field goal off of that one. You know, then there were the, the strip sack of Josh Allen that I think happened right after halftime that you know resulted in, in, in the defensive touchdown. I mean, it, it was some it was some fluky stuff, but it kind of just gets back to some of the issues that the Bills have had, you know, and uh, and Josh Allen in particular. I think I think it's 22 turnovers now, including that game. Uh, are are the most in the, in the league. Uh, you know, he, he does make those mistakes uh, in, in the red zone at times. And, and, you know, they essentially kept kept the Dolphins in that game. I mean, they were up 17 nothing and driving and just couldn't, you know, couldn't, couldn't put them away and, and then the self-inflicted stuff. So, I mean, I think that's kind of – you take the good and the bad sometimes with Josh Allen, and that, was, that game was kind of a microcosm of that. What's the story from the Vikings-Giants game? To me, it's how good a coach Brian Dable – is and how good his staff is, and it's amazing they're doing this with this group. But some people may not have that narrative. What's the story to you? I think I agree with that. When Danny, I mean, I really thought they put Daniel Jones in, in good situations, drew up a really good game plan for him, and, and then showcased the guy that you know looks like he's going to get a contract. I'm not sure anybody thought was going to be coming his way um, four months ago, um, uh, and. A lot of different guys. I mean, some no no name players. You know, receivers that people don't know nationally. You know, mixing in Matt Breida in the backfield with Saquon Barkley. I mean, I think Saquon only had nine carries. I mean, it wasn't like he he was carrying the offense. I mean, Danny, Danny Dan Jones was carrying the offense. Um, and then that you know aggressive defense that they play. Uh, you know, don't be surprised if they go into Philadelphia uh, and pull off the upset on on uh, on Saturday night. I mean, they they didn't they, they gave the Eagles all they could handle couple weeks ago with, with basically third stringers. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, like you said, give Brian, Brian Dayball all the credit uh, in, in the world in that one. Daniel Jones has had a terrific year, and he's doing it with Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins at wide receiver. What would he be capable of with weapons? Like, if they actually go out and get him some receivers, what do you think his upside would be? Well, I mean, I think you're, you're – I mean – I hate to do this kind of thing, but I mean, when when you see a guy that has his level of mobility and kind of uses it in smart situations, I mean, this is what I see with Justin Herbert too. I mean, you, you kind of think. I mean, I, I kind of think of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I prefer guys that you know can can pass the ball, pass it accurately. Uh, obviously, you know, all the arm strength and all, all that stuff. But when you can actually selectively run uh, and, and gash your defense that way without really having to rely on it. I think you've got something really, really dangerous on your hands, and I, I, you know, I don't want to say that Daniel Jones is the next Aaron Rodgers, so Justin Herbert might be, uh, but I, I really have yet to commend the guy's development uh, and, and the fact too that I mean it seems like he's really turned the corner on, on taking care of the ball. I mean the Giants were, were way down in the league in, in, uh, in turnovers this year, and that was obviously always um, the issue with him. I mean the, the, other, the other stuff has been there, the talent. It's just it's just it's just the taking care of the ball aspect with him, and it seems like. Brian Dayball has really ironed a lot of that out of him. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, I think four months ago you would have said that the two two teams seemed fairly set at quarterback in the NFC East, uh, and, the, and the Giants wouldn't have been in that category, but it looks like that they're, they're going to be now. Nate, thank you as always, buddy. Have a great week. All right, guys. Talk soon. Hit that capital sounder, please, there's. Our buddy Matt Wyrick, NBC Sports Washington, covers those caps. Matt, I think they needed that uh, comeback performance against the Islanders last night. Coming in, losing three out of four, five out of eight. All of a sudden, reeling a little bit after being a buzzsaw for you know December and early January. That was an important win last night. 
Oh, absolutely. Not even the fact that the Islanders are the team directly behind the Capitals in the standings and a team breathing down their necks. I mean, New York had been struggling coming into this matchup, so both teams really were looking for a win. They're giving their best goaltenders out there. You know, this is a divisional matchup. Tensions are high. There were a lot of very physical contests, and, you know, they don't let a three-goal deficit phase them, and I think that was a really impressive performance by the Capitals just to just to stay in it and, and continue to make that push even when they fell behind and, and things looked really ugly early. Wilson scored on a Backstrom feed. Big moment for those two guys in their fourth games back collectively. How have they actually played so far? Yeah, I think they're they're starting to get a, a handle for things. I mean, Wilson, honestly, I think is skating all around the ice. He looks good moving. I think he's starting to get acclimated pretty quickly here. You know, team high, seven shots on goal last night, but also seven hits. He was throwing his body around in a way that we probably hadn't seen uh, since last season. So I thought that was really good to see for him. Backstrom still, still definitely looks like he's kind of getting his legs underneath him a little bit, but his stick handling, uh, as we saw with that pass uh, to Wilson to set up the shot, you know, it, it's just as impressive as it's ever been. He's still that guy. So I think both of them, you know, coming along nicely and, and you know, they're getting to a point now where they're starting to really make contributions and, and playing on the same line too. Matt, usually health kind of takes care of these kinds of issues, and it's a good issue to have when you've got a lot of good players. But we've seen Anthony Mantha, you know, not get a sweater. We saw Lars Eller not get a sweater. When all the dust settles and we kind of have this all sort of figured out, who's going to be the odd man or two out if everybody uh, stays healthy? I mean, I think that's something that the Capitals are still figuring out right now. As you mentioned, three different guys have gotten the healthy scratch tab, which nobody wants to get as an NHL player, especially players like Mantha, like Strom, like Eller, who have all been established in their NHL careers. I think that, you know, like you said, health will decide it ultimately. You know, a player like Nick Dow getting injured yesterday is going to force the center back into the lineup here. So depending on the severity of Dow's injury, that's certainly going to play a factor here. But, you know, I think that they wanted to give Mantha a wake-up call, but I don't think they necessarily want him out of the lineup. Strom has been, you know, one of their top point getters on the year, and Eller is a huge penalty kill guy. So in a perfect world, I don't think the Capitals want any of them on bench. Caps have been good. Wild have been better this year representing Minnesota. They're in town tonight for a 7 o'clock puck drop at Capital One Arena. Tell us about the Wild and this game. Yeah, the Wild are coming in on a two-game win streak here. The Caps, of course, playing in the second leg of a back-to-back. They're going to have it tough. The Wild had three days off uh, to prepare for this game. Philip Gustafsson, their goaltender, is among the best in the NHL this season. You know, Kirill Kaprizov is, is one of the best scorers they have. I mean, this is a great team, top to bottom, one of the best the Western Conference has to offer. So it's going to be a, a tough task for the Capitals, who will be sending Charlie Lindgren out there between the net. What's the latest on John Carlson? Carlson, update, honestly, he's, he's still out indefinitely. I think it's really just the healing process now. You know, taking a puck to the face, the amount of blood that he lost, just kind of recovering and getting back to, to you know, being able to come down to that rink. Uh, he's made a few appearances at Caps games this year. You know, obviously not dressed or anything like that, but certainly just getting out there is a good sign for him. So, uh, you know, we'll definitely let you guys know once we get kind of update there. We appreciate you, buddy. Thanks so much. No problem. Thanks, guys. Matt Wyrick, NBCSportsWashington.com. All right, let's keep the blitz moving. There is a bunch of news on the commander's front to chop up. We'll start with Ethan Cadeau of NBC Sports Washington. Dot com on ownership. So the latest is that it sounds like no bid so far from Jeff Bezos. And so far, the number has not gotten to the $7 billion threshold that we heard was kind of the 
No matter what I want to do, I have to sell it at $7 billion number that Snyder was looking for. So what do you think right now, Ethan? I think when this sale does get finalized, it will start with that $7 billion number. Earlier today, Ian Rappaport said he still thinks it's going to be there. I think we've only gone through the first formal bidding process. I think if there are multiple parties that do end up bidding against each other, obviously that's only going to drive the price up. It's still going to fetch a ton of money, but I, I think even with this little, I guess I wouldn't say roadblock, but like little stopgap, I think it's still going to hit seven at some point. How do we keep getting the, I don't even know how a good way to describe this, Ethan, but the cycle is, watch out for this guy. He's a leading candidate. He's out. Watch out for this guy. He's a leading, he's out. Like, how does that keep happening? And what is that? Yeah, I think there's just a bunch of moving parts on the situation where there's a lot of people that haven't done this before, reporting different things, stuff like that. I think, honestly, it could go so many different directions, which is why we keep hearing that. Maybe people that were interested in once are not interested anymore when they learn a little bit more about what's going on with this franchise, what they'll get, et cetera, et cetera. So I do think a lot of, or some of the candidates we heard at the beginning are still kind of in the mix. It's weird to me that Jeff Bezos didn't submit a bid, but uh, the guy who owns the, the 76ers, Josh Harris, I think is one we've heard from the beginning that's still very much in play as well. So I'm not sure which way it's going to go, but I do believe there's still a lot of interested people. Ethan Kiddo, NBCSportsWashington.com. Pat Shermer interviewing today with Ron Rivera to be Washington's next offensive coordinator. He was last the OC in Denver in 2020 and 2021. What kind of hire do you think Shermer would be? Meh at best. I mean, in 2020 and 2021, he didn't really do a great job of developing Drew Locke, who was the Broncos quarterback, young guy at the time. Before that, he was in New York from 2018 and 2019. Didn't do a great job developing Daniel Jones. Now one year with Brian Dable there, he looks like a completely different quarterback. So it's just another retread that has ties with Rivera. I believe they coached together in Philly under Andy Reid 20-plus years ago but I think they can do better. I just think the job opening, considering the ownership uncertainty, the lame duck year, a lot of people think is going to be with Ron Rivera. I feel like the job just isn't that attractive. And a lot of the top guys, some are holding out for head coaching jobs or hopefully like Frank Reich. I heard Byron left, which is a potential rumor name. That would be, I think a better hire than Shermer at the very least. I'm not moved positively really want at all for Shermer, to be honest. This, they're telling people that Sam Howell is the guy thing that, that we've that we've seen in terms of going forward. Right. I'm, I'm I'm basically saying, Ethan, this is just a really smart little kind of PR move because you're under no obligation. It's not like anybody's coming down from the mountains with stone tablets here saying that this is this is written and done. It also gives them flexibility to, if something changes, kind of going forward, and also takes the attention off of kind of the year in review, which was the disastrous quarterback acquisition, floundering, bad play. That led us to right. see Sam Howell at the end of the season. What are your thoughts there? I'm 100% in agreement with you. I tweeted something out about the weekend or over the weekend that going forward, saying, telling potential OC guys that Sam Howell is your guy is the best possible move. If he ends up succeeding or starts, first of all, and succeeds, then you have a young quarterback on a rookie deal. That's one of the best assets you can have in the NFL, and you can build an on an already talented roster that's just needs help in a few other holes, but has a lot of young core players. And if he doesn't succeed, 
chances are this franchise isn't going to succeed that much anyway. And then you're in the running for Caleb Williams, Drake May, and a couple other top quarterbacks as well. So I like that way, or I like the approach they're taking. It's also by far the easiest approach right now because he's technically, well, I mean, Carson Wentz is still on the roster, but he's most likely going to get released. Heineke's a free agent. How is this young guy? But he's also the only guy still remaining. And I think after whiffing on Wentz, whiffing on Fitzpatrick, you got two strikes. We all know what happens if you have a third time. I think this is the best approach to go. I'm with you. I think it's perfectly fine. And I, I don't think anyone should be upset. I mean, as you said, there's an element where it's kind of almost a win-win. Right. What what leads you to believe that it could work, though? Give us some reasons why this could be successful and how could be a revelation. Yeah, I don't want to point back to the draft process a year and a half ago, but before Howell's junior year, his final year at UNC, he was in the conversation to be the number one overall pick. And that, that does mean something he... He impressed scouts. Obviously, his junior year wasn't what he wanted or anyone else wanted. Fell to the fifth round. Commanders kind of lucked into getting him. But when he was on the field, he showed flashes. His arm talent is A+. I mean, it's not Josh Allen, but it's not too far behind either. He's athletic. He, we saw in that Cowboys game, he can run. And I, I don't want people to – it's one game, so it's obviously not a huge sample size. But he played really well against that same Cowboys D that had everything to play for that looked excellent last night. And Michael Parsons was in the game until four minutes were left in the fourth quarter of that Week 18 game, and Washington's offense looked really good with Howell in charge. I do think that's a building block. Like I said, one-game sample size. I don't want to get too carried away. But I do think the flashes are there, and I do think the potential is there. And I wouldn't be surprised if if he does succeed anyway. Ethan, thank you, dude. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate you guys. Ethan Cadeau, NBCSportsWashington.com. We're going to get into the idea of Pat Shermer as an O.C., how this gig might be viewed compared to some of the others around the league as we continue today. But next, our fastest 16 minutes in football, recapping all six of the games from Super Wild Card Weekend on Grant and Danny. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
Grant and Danny on the fan. I looked up Pat Shermer's numbers as the play caller and coordinator for the Broncos, 2020 and 2021. Overall, they ranked 25th and 19th in offense, 15th and 10th running the ball, 24th and 15th passing the ball. They were 26th and 21st on third down and 27th and 22nd in the red zone. Scoring offense, 28th and 23rd in those two years. Sign me up. <laughs> really? <laughs> Let's hurry up. Get it done. <laughs> he's available for us? For We could have him? You don't yeah. say. Yeah. I mean, uh, listen, I get it from his perspective. You know, the same way you don't want too many years to go by where you're not in football, then all of a sudden you're not in football anymore. You got to go do something else. So he, I, if I'm Pat Sherman, I'm taking that interview knowing there's not much upside in this course. gig. What are you even talking about? I'm just saying. It's one did of those things. It, did someone not get it from his perspective? Well, he, I mean, he gets another chance to be a coordinator for the fifth time? Yeah, probably not. Yeah, I would say that a lot of people... the Greg Minuski quality control of Kentucky route. (laughs) Right. It's time for the fastest 16 minutes in football, each game from Super Wild Card Weekend. Dateline, San Francisco, where the 49ers just can't lose. Brock Purdy in control. In the second half, he was dynamite. 332 yards and three touchdowns for the 49ers. San Francisco got 119 rushing yards from Christian McCaffrey, 68 on one play. They were down 17-16 at the half. They end up dominating Seattle, 41-23. Debo Samuel, back from injury, went for 133 yards and a touchdown as a receiver, ran for 32 yards. Brandon Ayuk, 73 yards. Jawan Jennings, 41 yards. George Kittle, 2 for 37. They got healthy, too. You didn't see it coming, right? But... Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel, the band is back together. The Niners look like they're going to be really hard to beat. Everything I'm talking about is their offense. And meanwhile, they got the number one defense in the NFL. Oh, by the way. And you saw that defense, not really in the first half. That second quarter, Seattle moved the ball and San Francisco didn't tackle very well. They calmed down and did their thing in the second half and dominated. They are a favorite. Um, I don't know how to explain this. I watched the game the same way you guys did. A 27-0 lead became a 31-30 defeat. It's the most chargery charger thing that ever chargered. They had the ball uh, towards the end of the first half, gave it away. The score to end the first half by Jacksonville, I think, was really the turning point in this game. You add in a uh, Dicker, the kicker, missed field goal late, uh, a bad penalty by Joey Bosa. The Jacksonville Jaguars going for two. Next thing you know, you got one of those upsets for the books. This is how Jacksonville's done it, by the way, over the last month plus. They've trailed. They've looked terrible. They've been left on life support. Next thing you know, they come storming back, and they've won some of these incredibly unlikely games. Here's Doug Peterson, a guy that I wish we had on the W. I mean, it's everything. You know, it's it's just what I told them at halftime. You know, it's kind of like our season. You know, and and um, you know we've put ourselves in a hole at times, and then we've we've worked ourselves out of it at times. And and uh, just to have uh, the resiliency and the and the fight and the desire and the the ability to continue to play. You know, because it could have easily gone the other way, right? And and that's what I'm so proud of these guys for. Everything's on the line, and uh, you know they go out and get the job done. How about the fourth and one call for Doug Peterson? Now, if it doesn't work, you get lambasted because it's a slow-developing run on the, the edge. It is the prototypical. Every fan, every time it's ever not worked, has hated the call. But it was beautiful. Nobody home, one-on-one for Etienne, gets the edge, beats Samuel to the corner, turns it upfield, and the ball game is all but over for the Chargers at that point. They were in field goal range to win it. 
What a win for Jacksonville, 31-30. Someone let Al Michaels know, by the way, that that was an exciting game. The Bills, 34. The Dolphins, 31 in Buffalo. Josh Allen, two interceptions and a sack fumble that went for a touchdown. And it was almost enough for Miami to shock the NFL world. But the Bills made just enough plays. Allen throwing for 352. Diggs going for 114. Gabriel Davis, 113 in a score. Not one, but two touchdowns for Beasley and Knox, the interior tight end and slot receiver on the inside in that Buffalo offense. Devin Singletary led the way rushing. A lot of James Cook early in the game who scored a touchdown for the Bills, who survived 34-31 despite having to stand up tall and make a couple of stops in the fourth quarter defensively. Josh Allen knows it wasn't pretty. One-week seasons, man. That's it's it. Got to take it 1-0, uh, one game at a time. Um, thought we did some good things today. Um, I did some bad things today. You know, some stuff to clean up, some some things to learn from. Um, but we'll grow from it. It's all, all that matters is surviving and advancing. Um, it doesn't matter how we win; it's if we win. And uh, proud of our guys for playing the way they did. Little bit concerned about that Bills defense going forward. There was a time where this was one of the best groups in the sport. I'm lacking a little bit of confidence here of late, especially some of those performances down the stretch. And I'm third string quarterback from Miami, carving them up at times. Leads me uh, to be a little bit concerned about their chances to win the whole thing. I have heard people saying that, and they gave up 3.3 yards per play. I, I mean, what, what do you want? Now, I get what you're saying. It didn't feel like they got the big stops all game or they just dominated Thompson how they were supposed to, but I think there was some good fortune and some short fields for Miami and a defensive score in there. So I kind of get where you're coming from, but they did only give up 3.3 per play. That's pretty dumb. No, that is fair. I guess I'm more looking for the feeding frenzy that would happen if our third-string quarterback trotted fair. out there against somebody. But, but look, yeah. do I feel great about them going up against a Burrow or a Mahomes moving forward? I don't. So I get it. Dateline Minnesota, a 13-win team is going home. This is a testament to me to how good a coach Brian Dable is and how together and how tough that Giants team is. They were in a dogfight here. They decided they're going to take away Justin Jefferson. They did that 31-24 win for the New York Giants on the road. Cousins, pretty good stat line, 273 and two touchdowns, 31 out of 39, rating of 113. Daniel Jones was magnificent against the god-awful Minnesota Vikings defense. 301 yards, two touchdowns, also ran for 78 on 17 Carries. I can't stress that enough. The quarterback ran 17 times. This is not Tommy Frazier at Nebraska. He barely ran it in the second half, too. Now, I guess three of those runs, in air quotes, Little were scrambles the, for the, yeah. one of the kneel downs at the end of the game, oh, guess, yeah. which shouldn't be considered a stat. But he actually legitimately ran the ball 14 times. And I think 10 or 12 of those were in the first half when he was gashing the Vikings, who gave up 431 yards and over six yards per play. How has Ed Donatel, their defensive coordinator, not been fired yet? And I don't mean based on one game. They were the worst defense in the league this year. Everyone said all year long it was going to cost them in the playoffs. And then they got destroyed by, with all due respect, Daniel Jones. How is that guy going to keep a job? Is that really going to happen? I don't know. He's got his job still? Yeah, this is one of those times where even if he's a great defensive coordinator, the results were so bad, we just can't can't do this. We can't have it anymore. Here's the final call on Fox. Fourth and eight, game on the line. Cousins, Hawkinson, he is not going to get there, and the Giants will take over. So that's before the three kneel downs, so the final huge play where Minnesota still had the ball, and a chance, they don't get it done, a really good season gone 
too soon. What did you make of the reaction to the Cousins throw on fourth down? Or, or the throw itself, I So, Kurt Warner had a really good breakdown of this where it wasn't a particularly good design on that particular play. Now, whether you want to give Giants credit for coverage, um, you know, the, the, there was a guy at the top. I want to say it was K.J. Osborne. I, I could Osborne be wrong about that. Osborne was running in the middle of the field, came free right after the release. Yeah, so he's – Warner did a great breakdown of this where he was like, this needs to be a sharp right angle kind of route to get to the quarterback's field division because he's going to start here. This is where the read will tell you to go. Because Hawkinson had to chip first because they didn't feel like they could protect – that should have been dead. So Warner had a good, nice balance um, uh, review of it, basically saying, if your tight end has to chip the defensive end rushing there, that can't be your read anymore because he's not going to get the depth. He's not going to get yeah, to where he needs to go. There. But, you know, you got pressure in the face, and I don't know if you throw it up to Jefferson or if you got to work backside first. I don't know. But there wasn't much there on the play. So for me, I think it's a few things. Number one, fourth and eight, you got to throw the ball eight yards just as a general rule. We could start there. Second... If I'm Cousins, and he doesn't think this way, I'm sure, while he's playing, but just knowing how the world works, Mm -hmm. I'm throwing the ball past the sticks no matter what because I don't want to hear about it all offseason from people who can't wait to jump on me after I played a damn good football game. That's number two. And number three, you got interior pressure and there's nobody open. It's a bunch of bad options. What I would have done is just thrown it up for double coverage and let it get picked off to Jefferson, and then people could have told me I choked because I threw a pick. But at least I would have thrown it past the sticks. The, The bottom line is... When you are whatever Kirk Cousins is, if you don't win the Super Bowl, people will have their last laugh, and they got it on that play for sure. All right, let's keep it moving, Danny. We will go to Cincinnati. I thought the Baltimore Ravens had everything going their way. The Cincinnati Bengals win twenty-seven, excuse me, twenty-four to seventeen. The recipe was there for the Ravens. You're playing with a backup quarterback. You don't have your number one weapon in Lamar Jackson. There's not much going on in the passing game. You physical this game. You play good defense. You rough them up. They're driving down the field with a chance to take a fourth quarter lead. You're on the goal line. You're going goal line sneak. This is the time. This is going to work, right? Wrong. Put them right around. Hundley eight reaches. Oh, that ball's out. That's live. Back the other way. Sam Hubbard. The Cincinnati kid. Hubbard's got a convoy. Chased Listen by to Andrews. this out, Michaels. At the 30, the 20, he will score. Well, calm down, Mike Tirico. That's Mike Tirico on the call. Do, do me a favor. Actually, we can do this next segment. I want to hear the Al Michaels call and the Tirico call. So, Intersplice them. A little bit of Tirico, a little bit yeah. of Michaels. I want to just juxtapose these great moments from these two games. When an exciting play happens, it's okay to have some level of excitement. But that's your game changer. That's the turning point right there. A would-be touchdown turned into a 98-yard fumble return for a touchdown for the Cincinnati fellow Sam Hubbard. Do you feel any different about the Bengals moving forward after how they played the Ravens? Think amongst yourselves. I mean, I, I would say you shouldn't. Baltimore, you can't say has their number, but the Ravens, really do a good job against the Bengals. And they have played them tight all season long, and and this was absolutely no different. Jamar Chase, by the way, 12 targets, 9 catches, 84 yards, and a touchdown saved the day for Cincinnati, who just couldn't stay on the field. You know, they went 7 of 13 on third down and still somehow only managed 234 net yards, 4 per play. I thought they got outplayed despite winning thanks to that amazing defensive effort. Finally, Cowboys, Bucks, Monday Night Football, Aikman alongside Buck last night on ESPN. The final time for those guys calling a game in primetime this season. And it was the Dak Prescott show. That O-line held up, gave him a lot of time. 
As bad as he looked at FedEx Field, and he looked really, really bad. Yes, he did. Dak was that good last night. 305 yards, four touchdowns, just eight incompletions, a rating over 140. Mike McCarthy liked what he saw. As good as I've seen, that's that's for sure. Um, you know, I think just like anything, he's so consistent in everything he does. And you know, like I said, we had we had a couple plays there early, but I mean, he he was he was on it the, the rest of the, the rest of the evening. I you know I I thought he was you know Kellen and you know the play calling. We we just really stayed true to what we wanted to do in here. And, and like I said, I, I thought he played extremely well and you know stayed aggressive and you know took the checkdowns. Uh, I thought he had great command of the of the offense and excellent presence in the pocket. 31-14 win for the Cowboys. By the way, Micah Parsons got credited for the sack like two or three plays from the end of the game, which originally he wasn't, and it hooked me on FanDuel. I had Micah Parsons sack in a win. Nobody cares. At the end of the game, he didn't have a sack. A couple hours later, I went back and looked at FanDuel. I said, where did this $17 come from? Oh, they changed the sack to Micah Parsons. And thank you. Scary moment at the end of that game, too, for Russell Cage. On a play that didn't look like much, kind of went down on his own, got hit in an awkward angle. Seems he is uh, okay. Reports early on have been very, very good. But, you know, just in the wake of what we saw in Buffalo, that was a scary moment. It was like Aikman and Buck are on the call again. Everyone's on the field, you know, looking around all worried and stuff. But this one uh, doesn't seem to be near as bad. Jay Gruden, who is great on this show, will join us top of the hour at 5. We'll talk ball with him. Where's Lamar Jackson going to go? What's going to happen? Is he going to stay in Baltimore? Do they pay him? We'll ask Jay about that. We've got some thoughts on that next. Plus, Al Michaels versus Mike Tirico on Grant and Danny. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
All right, Darius, I believe, has completed his homework task for the commercial break there. Welcome back. Grant and Danny on the fan. A Darius Dameron, Ryan Clary production. Those guys always working hard to make the show sound good. So I tasked Darius with juxtaposing as best he could the signature moments of the Bengals-Ravens game that Tarico called versus the game-winning field goal to cap a 27-0 come-from-behind win for the Jacksonville Jaguars, the third-largest comeback win in the history of the playoffs with the Honorable Al Michaels presiding. So here we go. Put them right around Hundley. He reaches, throws that ball's out, that's live! Back the other way, Sam Hubbard! The Cincinnati kid! Hubbard's got a convoy! Meanwhile, Jacksonville can set their sights likely on Kansas City. Here we go for the win. Got it, but there's a flag down. There's a flag down as everybody's running out onto the field, but there's a penalty marker. Chased by Andrews at the 30, the 20. And they call it on the defense. Unbelievable. I don't need to say anything else. One of those is how it should sound in a big moment in the playoffs. I can't get over the, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Preseason extra point to tie the game. Like I've just finished an argument with my wife. I don't want to go to wherever this thing is. The kids are in temper tantrum, meltdown mode. It's going to stink. And, you know, I've just locked the door and I go, here we go. <laughs> That's what we're doing. The The part that kills me is it, he doesn't even make the call that the field goal. He, well, he barely makes the he call that the field goal. He says it's good. Yeah, he said. As he's telling you there's a flag. He didn't even say it's good. He said he's got it, but there's a flag. Right. Uh, so, okay. Without that much excitement. I, I had too much excitement there. You had way too much excitement. Calm down, please. I, I do have to admit that one of the, like, in baseball, the, the fear you would have, if I'm calling my first ever big league game is, the home run or catch at the wall or like off the bat, is it going to go? Is it a fly out? That's really hard, right? In football, I think the penalty on a signature call is really tough. What I would say is you should probably just make the great call and let us know as soon as possible, but there's a flag. Let's check it. I would also tell you that Mike Tirico sees everything and processes fast, and so he would almost know as the flag is thrown, it was because it's an offsides. In other words, Michaels just doesn't see that stuff anymore. The ball is on the ground for four seconds, and we see who's recovering it, and he's still going, the ball is loose, there's a, a fumble, the ball is being fought for. And it's like, no, the, the Colts have it. They've had it since I went to get a snack a minute ago, Al. Get with us here. The ball is, they're fighting for the ball. It's like, no, the first officials already rule. Come on, dude. Get get with the program here. And isn't there a producer in his ear that could have also pointed that out, you I would, would imagine? You would think they could be saying offsides, 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 but... Okay, if you want to wait, let's say you're not sure. Let's say it wasn't obvious or anything like that. That's fine. But you have to give me a call. You you just have to. You have to give me a – in that moment, I need to know that was cool what just happened. The flag is secondary. The kick being good, kind of important. The fans were so loud. And uh, it's through, but there's a flag. Unbelievable. Everyone's everyone's saying the mix (laughs) minus was bad for like all night long. Which is maybe true. They're saying it, it sounded like they were broadcasting in a booth, like not at the game. Well, I, I would agree with that just based on the performance in general. But I think they were worried to crank up the, the crowd volume because you wouldn't have heard 
them. Both of those guys just were get so drowned out. Low energy. Yeah. Bad mix of the two of them, and they were net minus. I do buy. you have um do you have the actual full call of Michaels? We haven't even listened to it today. Again, I, I don't like beating up like broadcaster on broadcaster crime. And and I understand that he is a legend, so people get very uh bothered by this. None of that changes, still legend. A, a lot of people will have told me I'm age shaming, and I promise you I'm not, I'm performance shaming. You have to be able to do your job. When you do a public gig where people have opinions on your performance, you don't just get a pass because you were once great, and you don't just get a pass because, well, be nice. He's older. No. It's a big game, man. Like that That's a job that the best broadcasters in the country in that moment were all watching Al Michaels asleep at the wheel. Where is my – I get that it's NBC, so they can't go grab a, an Iron Eagle or someone to do uh-huh. that. Like, Al Michaels getting the Amazon Prime thing is still baffling to me. Kevin Harlan, as Drabby said, or, or my guy's Iron Eagle, but none of these guys got that gig? Yeah. I mean, it's it is Michaels is such, is such a legend, such a huge he name. Is a legend, and that no was doubt. the point of why they did that. But if we're talking broadcaster quality now, I think it's okay to say he's not as good as he used to be. He's not as good as a lot of guys and gals are right now. That's pretty reasonable. This was the call. Meanwhile, Jacksonville can set their sights likely on Kansas City. Here we go. For the win. Got it, but there's a flag down. There's a flag down as everybody's running out onto the field, but there's a penalty marker. And they call it on the defense. Unbelievable. Uh, That that is unbelievable. Again, it speaks for itself. (laughs) So we actually do have my guy, Ian Eagles, call, and I have not heard this. So I'm putting my reputation on the line a little bit here, but Birdman's never let me down. Birdman's never once let me down. This was Eagle on the call on Westwood One. Jacksonville was down 27 to nothing. And here we go. Man. Matisic, the snapper. Cook, the holder. Patterson sweeps the leg. 36-yard attempt. It is good! <laughs> Jacksonville! Wins it! The Jaguars down 27 points come from behind. The roar of the Jaguars is real. 31 to 30, the final. Let's go! Come on, Birdman! Let's go! That's how you call that! Not even a mention of the flag, because he saw the offsides in real time! Let's go! Case closed. I could have used a little bit less of the Jaguars roar is real. That's the Birdman bite. Man. Yeah, that's that's, uh, he, that's he, the cost. That's the tax. I don't know if he's trying to take. <laughs> like he's like okay. Is, Jim, is he dancing? Jim Nance is the number one. They won't let me surpass him, even though I'm better. So I got to do a little Nance thing to catch close the gap. They're not just Jags. Has the Jaguars move on? Yeah, I don't know, man. But I'll tell you, you Birdman heard, delivers. I'm well, fired up. Well, you heard the significance of it. Here we go. Like, like what? There's a the biggest comeback since uh, Frank Reich and the Bills. Like, the, the, like the most unprecedented, ridiculous situation is unfolding before us. The chokiest chokers that have ever choked are about to go down. Not even a mention of the flag. Grown adult who knew exactly what was going on. I put my reputation on the line, and Iron Eagle hooked me. That's what happened right there, Danny. Can you imagine if it was a bad call? 
I'd have looked like a goose. Oh, yeah. But luckily, it was a masterpiece. I, I'm going to here we go you so many times in the in the coming weeks and months. Just pretend to not be excited and just go, here we go. I guess that's what we're doing. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. You should put that in your your sound file. Sorry, he's so bored. Sorry, this is so beneath him. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, Jay Gruden's next. We got to chat with Jay. I still want to discuss Lamar Jackson with you. What's going to happen? Is he staying? Is he leaving? And also Tom Brady's future. We'll get into both of those things before we get out of here. Probably at 6 o'clock here on Grant and Danny today. 525. How would you feel about Pat Shermer as the offensive coordinator? I got too worked up. Losing the voice. Now i got to go get some water. Iron Eagles never let me down. How about this one, Danny? Fly, Eagle, fly. Oof, How's that? That's tough. G&D on the fan. Here we go. Here we go for the win. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.